from the front lines of the green rush. This is Green Entrepreneur, where business owners talk about how they found success in cannabis and how you can too. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Green Entrepreneur Podcast. My name is John Small, and I am the editor-in-chief of greenentrepreneur.com. And question for you, have you ever wanted to experience all the benefits of spirits without all those unhealthy side effects? Well, my guest today is Darnell Smith, and he believes he has a solution. Darnell is the founder of Moon, spelled M-X-X-N, which is a non-alcoholic cannabis-infused spirits brand. And Darnell's company is the first THC-infused spirits brand, which creates one-to-one non-alcoholic replacements for gin, tequila, and bourbon. And over the last 15 years, Darnell has worked with top global spirits companies, including Diageo, Bernard Ricard, and Bacardi in product innovation and in commercialization. And he is now making his mark in the cannabis industry. Darnell, welcome to the podcast. Wow, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, I listened to that and I'm like, who is that guy? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what you're doing is really exciting. Tell us, I, you know, I, I gave it a little brief synopsis in the in the intro, but explain to us what Moon really is. Yeah, so we wanted to create, you know, something that could kind of evolve the cocktail occasion as we know it. You know, I think you see, um, and we all see kind of the movements towards uh, wellness and and better uh, care for oneself and making better choices. And and we wanted to lean into something that allowed you to do that, but still be part of the the scene. So we developed Moon as a a one-to-one replacement for uh, the spirits you know and love, right? So an analog replacement that would, um, you know, really allow you to, to enjoy the cocktail occasion as you may have always have, but maybe just, you know, wanting to do something a bit different these days. Yeah. So these, so I mentioned that the three flavors, I guess, or the free, I don't know what you call them, replace expressions. expressions. Okay. That's probably better. London dry, which is a complex gin replacement. And I'll pronounce this wrong. Yalisco agave. Yalisco agave. Yalisco agave, which is a spicy tequila replacement and Kentucky oak, which is a barrel aged whiskey replacement. So do these taste like gin, tequila, and whiskey? They sure do. We really worked hard to pull key flavor notes from those respective spirits. Obviously, you lose the ethanol burn of a spirit, but we've done uh, some 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 fun stuff to kind of replace that um, in terms of being able to deliver a sensation, you know, as you're drinking um, that kind of replicates what you might think you would get from from an ethanol burn. So it certainly does taste like its uh, its counterparts. Um, not exactly. Obviously, we, we weren't going for that, but we certainly wanted it to uh, shine in a cocktail right, and, and allow you to, to really feel like you're having that experience. And talk about the strength. So, you know, when people who are might be more familiar with spirits than they are with or drinking spirits than they are with drinking cannabis or drinking THC infused drinks, is it the same effect I mean, being high feels a little different than being buzzed, <laughs> but as far as like, does it kick in at the at the same rate or talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So that was a big thing in our development of this. We we wanted, when we say one-to-one, we really wanted to make it as analogous as, as possible to a cocktail experience you might expect. So onset is typically within 15 to 30 minutes. Some of that is dependent upon 
the vessel into which it is going into, right? And metabolism and all those things. But on average, we find uh, onset starts in 15, 30 minutes, which is uh, just about on par with cocktails, which are probably in the nine to 12 minute range uh, before you start feeling the effects. The effects certainly are a bit different. Best way we describe the feel from uh, Moon is, is really a glow. It's like a, a body high tingle, um, just, you know, kind of uplifting, happy type of feeling, which is, you know, obviously a bit different from, you know, the buzz you might get from, from alcohol. Now you, you must be a bit of a spirit snob because you've worked, as I mentioned, at like these very big spirit companies, Diageo, Bacardi. So talk about the process of coming up with these flavors. Was it a painstaking process? Were you a real tough critic? Three years, three years it took. And you are right. I was, it was one of those things I was not going to do it if it could not deliver on the expectation. And for the longest time, we just were not hitting it. It's really difficult to, right, to, to get the flavors to work in the right way. You know, alcohol is so unique and, you know, it's process of fermentation and distillation obviously provide unique characteristics to alcohol that is very hard to replicate. But once you dig into the flavor notes and you think about how we um, experience beverages from a smell standpoint to a tip of the palate to mid palate, all the way to the finish, we worked on each of those parts and they all took quite a bit of time. And so we, we started when we first started this, we, we realized we were approaching it the wrong way, right? We were looking at a bottle of spirits and we were trying to get what we were doing to taste exactly like a spirit, which is impossible in the, with the absence of ethanol. But what we realized was we really need to start developing this through the lens of the cocktail, because that's the vessel in which we hope and expect people to enjoy this. And once we did that, it really changed our whole process in terms of how we honed in on what flavors we wanted to distill from, you know, uh, natural flavor extracts and botanicals and really what we focused on. And it, it was really, will this show up in a cocktail once there's ice in it, once there's other ingredients in it, will it shine through? And once we did that, it started to go warp speed in terms of development. And of course we had to bring in some even more discerning palettes than my own. So we had a few, Michelin chefs involved. We had obviously some uh, world-class mixologists who, if I would have gotten one more thumbs down, I think I might have. <laughs> <laughs> well, talk to me about that. So they were just like this, nah, this doesn't work for me. Nah, this is not it. This is not it. And then I remember the day they didn't all come at the same time. The gin was first. We nailed that. And so we were, it gave us some wind, you know, in our wings, so to speak. The tequila came next in the, in the bourbon it's very difficult, right, to the eating process and the oak and the vanilla and the caramel and the things that you want to pull forward and that are hard to do without actually aging it in a barrel. Uh, um, so that one took us the longest. And I'll, I'll be honest, like even to this day, I'm still like, hmm, I wonder what else I can do. Like it's always a constant evolving process in terms of like just honing in on, on the on the flavors. But I mean, it was it has been quite the journey, but well worth it. Why did you pick those three essences? Well, you know, we looked at consumption habits in terms of spirits consumption and obviously consumption. And, and obviously we wanted to 
start with expressions that were pretty mainstream and could uh, be very versatile when you put it on a back bar and, you know, and, and what you wanted to do with it. We do have some in R&D that are maybe less on the beaten path, at least from a, a you know, consumption standpoint, but we really look to mirror what's, you know, selling from a spirit standpoint. And obviously, tequila is like castle right now. And so that was obviously important that we had that. So it's interesting. Are these the three best-selling spirits, gin, tequila, and whiskey? Basically, uh, once you look at it on a global perspective, yeah. And and I was surprised not to see vodka on that list. Well, vodka is, except, right, the whole premise of vodka is the absence of taste. Yeah, it just basically (laughs) is like drinking rubbing alcohol, basically. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) So while we are thinking of ways to how we might attack that, that's kind of further down the, the pipeline is that's probably the most difficult one to bring forward. There's probably some guys in Russia trying to figure that out right now. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure and what about rum? Because you worked at Bacardi for a while, so I was surprised that rum wasn't on the list. Yeah, rum is also a little bit tricky, but rum is probably next on our R&D pipeline. Um, we have, we're have we in testing right now with some some variations, and we think we have a, a pretty awesome product that we'll bring to market here in the, in the not-too-distant future. So you've mentioned that you it's alcohol-free, and I would imagine that's for legal reasons, right? Is that is that the law that you cannot mix cannabis and alcohol in a liquid? Correct. Correct. You cannot do that. People have taken our product and done what's called halvesies, right? They'll take half of you know the alcohol that they were going to put in something and add moon. We don't obviously have anything to do with that. People do what they want when they get it. But for us, non-alcoholic. Do you foresee a time when that law might change? I mean, is that a, is that a silly law or, I mean, maybe it makes sense from a safety perspective, but. Yeah, I think it's a law that's based in just lack of evidence or understanding of how the two mix. I think there still needs to be some work done in terms of how does that actually work together? I think you see probably cannabis and coffee is a a bit farther ahead on that spectrum in terms of understanding how those two things work together. I would assume as we go forward, there's certainly going to be more uh, work put in to understand how the two uh, really work together. So I never say never, but it's not something that we're putting on our roadmap in terms of thinking of like what happens the day when you can mix cannabis with alcohol because that I probably can do in my sleep. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. That's that. a whole different thing. So the obvious question is, well, if I just want a glass of gin or a gin and tonic, I'm going to order a gin and tonic. Why would I order a, a moon, you know, a moon gin, a uh, London dry moon gin and tonic? And explain to, I sort of hinted at this at the intro about the sort of health benefits, but but talk to me about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, look, the end story of alcohol is no matter how you slice it, it's a toxin, Right. <laughs> right. And it, it has obviously provided many of us lots of joy and also discomfort over the years. I think what we wanted to do was really take that out of the equation. And what would happen if it were no longer a toxin and it really became something that while we're not touting, it's right, the healthiest, you're not drinking kale juice (laughs) here, right? (laughs) Thank goodness. (laughs) Thank goodness. There is celery soda, which is gross to me, but not very tasty. Um, 
But, you know, for us, we, we really wanted to uh, focus on something that is, right, can just kind of be a, an evolution of, of an experience that we're, we've been used to and, and maybe in a, a slightly better uh, way for you. Um, and we think, you know, the, the absence of calories, you know, our highest calorie expression has, you know, 10 calories per serving. We don't use artificial ingredients. There are no uh, artificial sweeteners like we use agave when we need uh, hints of sweetness. So we really just wanted to create something that, you know, was you know, somewhat better for you. And so uh, that's what we set out on. Yeah. So you have this background many, many years in the spirits industry. What was the reason that you decided to get out of the spirits or maybe you're still doing spirits? I don't know, but why did you make this transition into cannabis? Like, were you a cannabis user yourself? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good, really good question. So for me, having worked in spirits for so long, you know, I think as you mature and evolve, you realize how alcohol affects you differently maybe than when you were in your twenties. Right. Right. And I remember the day pretty clearly where like, when I figured like, wow, Alcohol probably has less of a significance in my life going forward. It was, we, we used to do these um, liquid tastings. And unfortunately, they always seem to be early in the morning. <laughs> that must be brutal. It, it, it really is. And when you add it on top of the fact that like, as the day goes on, typically there's some happy hour, right? That you're with, uh, you know, peers. And then there's going out with distributors and going to account visits and just the intake of alcohol just becomes so excessive. So for me, about 10 years ago, I kind of took a, a turn and, and said like, you know, I'm going to substantially reduce this and now what am I going to do? And that was kind of like the beginning, beginning thoughts of like, what can I replace this with? And so, you know, back then what I would do is I would make a tincture, right? And I would, you know, heat up some flour, uh, for a very specific amount of time at a certain temperature. And I would soak it in some alcohol for, you know, a month and I'd strain it, put in a dropper bottle, and then I'd be at the, the guy at the bar just ordering the, the tonic and lime and, you know, putting three drops of my tank. <laughs> you were doing there. it yourself. Yeah. Right. And I was sessioning cocktails right along with everyone else. And obviously that still had, a, you know, traces of alcohol and it. it was tincture based. So, but that was the beginning thoughts of, of, maybe doing this. The only problem was I didn't have a, a vessel of a non-alcoholic spirit 10 years ago. That wasn't a thing, right, to deliver it. And so about three years ago, made another batch of the tincture. And my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time of, of my initial experimentation with tincture, was like, you, you, you need to do something with this. And like, what am I going to do? And then all of a sudden, it just like hit me like a, I don't know, like a freight train. I was Starting to, you know, think about this non-alcoholic segment with the rise of dry October or sober October, whatever, uh, dry January and sober October. I can't keep up with them all now, but I really, I was experimenting with creating a base non-alcoholic spirit and it just, the two worlds collided. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have the vessel in which I can now deliver this. And it just so happened right around that same time, cannabis, uh, you know, emulsion technology improved greatly and the whole, you know, rise of nano emulsions came around and it really made this concept even possible. So for me, you know, I'm a former division one athlete and I started my journey with cannabis in terms of like pain management, right? Instead of using prescription pain meds, I would 
medication with cannabis. Where what did you play? I played football at University of Notre Dame. Oh wow. That's a serious program. Yeah. So you know that's what position did you play? Defensive end. Oh man. So you're a big you're he's the big dude. <laughs> I mean, I met you I and mean, I know you're a big guy, but I didn't realize you were a football player. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so that really began my journey with cannabis was in terms of pain management. And um, you know, obviously over the years became more recreational. Um, and it replaced alcohol almost uh, entirely for me. I am still invested in the alcohol space. I do imbibe in, in a cocktail every once in a while. I'm not the, the, the full end of the spectrum, but, but I would probably say 90% of what I do is now cannabis beverage based, even, even more so than flour. That's interesting. So when I first met you, it was at a, an event at a bar just a few weeks ago in Las Vegas, and they were serving spirits there. It was interesting. It was a cannabis event, but nobody was legally allowed to consume cannabis at that event. But I'm thinking that, you know, even, you know, right now bars can't really, I guess, serve your your spirits, right? They So that must be a challenge for you that the only way to really consume your product is at home or at parties, but not, you know, at bars. Yeah. And that's good. That's the challenge for every cannabis beverage right now. I do think things will evolve and there'll be better understanding and you, these beverages will be next to their counterparts. You know, that's obviously the hope, right. For us in terms of um, expansion, but, you know, I think the home bar is a very ripe area. Also just given where we are, you know, coming out of a pandemic and what entertaining looks like these days, it just so happened to align with, you know, times that we're doing a lot more smaller groups at home. So for us to start with the home bars, there's plenty of ground to, to tell me what you learned in your years working in the spirits business that you've now taken over to the cannabis industry. Brand is king. I think when you slice hairs and you know you're innovating, you're creating new liquids, I think the thing that hit me was just how similar so many of them were. Right. If there was another flavor of vodka I worked on, I was going to be like, you know, enough, you know, and I think what you realize is that it really is what does the brand stand for and, you know, how does the brand represent itself? And so I think that was one of the big learnings I have. We just so happen to have a very different product now, but, you know, I, I suspect it will inspire others to join the fray. I actually hope it does. Right. Because the more the Marriott, we're going to expand the, expand the segment, but we definitely thought about that as we were going through this, you know? So you, the name, look, let's look, talk about the brand a minute. It's called Moon, but it's spelled M-X-X-N. Talk to me about the decision to, to do it that way. Yeah. The XX represents a couple of things for us. I think first and foremost, it's a nod to the fact that, hey, we can't all ignore, this is still all federally illegal, right? This is still kind of in a pro prohibition phase in a sense, right? Once you travel across state lines. So that XX is kind of a nod to glad to be doing this, but we also recognize that federally, this is still a crime. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, two, it was more around the feeling, right? It's kind of like this warm glow and this whole idea of XOXO I was playing around when we developed the brand. And so you know, we do cool things when you mouse over it on our on our website at enjoymoon.com. It, you know, they flip XOXO. And so it's just kind of a, a, a neat nod to 
A, the prohibition state we still exist in and operating in, but also kind of the feeling of, of, of the beverage. How else are you branding it in a way that, that you've learned maybe from, you know, your times at Bacardi or whatever that you hope will be appealing to consumers? Yeah, I think really just thinking about the voice of the brand and what it represents, right? For us, right, Moon is kind of like this release, this, this an escape from from kind of everyday monotony and just our little saying is earth is overrated, right? And for us, it's kind of this release to kind of maybe sometimes give yourself a break in a way that you can feel good the next day, right? And 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 not feel like you just poured a, a vat of poison in yourself and, and you need two days to recover from it. And so, you know, that was really our, it's, you know, the simplest form, how we thought about this. So you worked for a lot of big companies in your life and now you're working for yourself. How do they compare? Are you happy that you're, that you, is it very, is this one of the hardest things you've ever had to do? Yeah. So I had a good transition in the middle, right? So I did the big company work, but then I founded a, a consulting firm that was kind of the bridge between big company and this. Um, and we actually, that consulting firm has done a, quite a bit of work for like Procter and Gamble Ventures and Bacardi Incubation. And it's where we really got cut our teeth on like really seeing how the big guys do it from a commercialization and innovation perspective and, but also not fully being part of the mothership. So we could kind of bring our own flavor to it. And, and that was a good transition to right, being a brand owner yourself. And so we bring a lot of the knowledge and rigor from the work we did there, but also, also saw some things that we thought, Hey, when we get to do this ourselves, this might be something that we change. And so for us, like just, being able to be nimble and react to things quickly is huge. Whereas in the big organizations, it's like trying to turn a freight liner versus a speedboat. You can't react as quickly. And once you're down a path, you're kind of there. And so then you're force fitting things. Whereas we have the ability to, to shift and be nimble, um, which is exciting. So that, that's been a, good, a great part of the transition. Any advice that you received or that you could give to others about being an entrepreneur? or specifically in this industry, or maybe not even in this industry, although. Yeah, you know, I think really just staying true to yourself and really, especially in cannabis, I think a lot of the fear I hear from people is, well, I don't have a whole lot of experience with cannabis. And my response to that is like, well, luckily the cannabis space is in need of a lot of diverse experience and a lot of industry uh, bringing other industry knowledge into the space because it's so new. And, you know, I represent that. Uh, several of my peers have come from other CPG or retail environments and are now innovating in the cannabis space. And, and I just say, you know, stay true to yourself and, and don't do it if you don't love it. It's number one, because it's always going to feel like a, a chore. And luckily for most people, cannabis is, is pretty easy to love. So. I would say, you know, you know, if you're going to do it, dive in two feet and, and don't look back. Well, Darnell Smith, thank you so much for joining us on the show. It's been really interesting. If people want to find out more about Moon, order a few bottles, where do they go? Yep. So we'll be live uh, for delivery here in a matter of days, uh, small batch. So get in there quickly, but it's, uh, you can find us at enjoymoon.com. And it's M-O-O-N or M-X-X? 
enjoymxxn.com. Great. And is this only available right now in California? Only in California today, but we have uh, some pretty exciting things we'll be announcing in 2022 in terms of other states we will be in. All right. Well, looking forward to it and looking forward to try, maybe enjoying a cocktail with you. I will take a, a gin and tonic. <laughs> All right. Thanks again. Thanks, John. Awesome. Appreciate Thanks, it. Darnell. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Green Entrepreneur Podcast. To find out more about Green Entrepreneur, you can go to greenentrepreneur.com or check out our magazine on newsstands everywhere. Check out our Instagram at Green Entrepreneur. We're also on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and all other social media feeds. If you like this podcast and you'd like to hear more from me, Jonathan Small, check out my other podcast, Right About Now, that's W-R-I-T-E, to get some in-depth interviews into the lives and stories of successful writers, how they got there, what they learned, and what you need to succeed. That's writeaboutnowmedia.com. Until next episode, we'll THC you later.